It's time for another episode of Tucson Means Business, featuring Tucson's top entrepreneurs and leaders in the business world. And now your host, Mark Bishop. Well, here we are at the very, very first, the inaugural, as they say, of the Arizona Film Expo at the TCC on the very first day of what promises to be an exciting event, hoping to really bring back the industry to Tucson like it used to be in the 50s and 60s when the Duke loved it here and a lot of other superstars as well. And it does good for Tucson. It does good for the industry. We've got a lot of talent in this city, and we need a chance to be able to promote it. Now, I am very very lucky and fortunate because as a young lad growing up in Australia, one of my favorite, favorite shows was Jeannie. Yeah? And the little darling with the blonde hair that used to cross her arms. Remember that one? Right. Blink. And everything would happen just as she liked it. So it's absolutely my pleasure to welcome Barbara Eden. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Mark. How are you? Thank you so much for taking the time out to uh, have a chat with us here on Business Radio X, Tucson Business Radio. Well, you're here as a special guest. You, you're actually born in Tucson, weren't you? I was. I was born here. I uh, didn't grow up here, but I spent a lot of time in Arizona, actually. You actually moved, I think, to uh, San Francisco, didn't you? That is correct. Okay, yeah, but yeah. you used to come here for summer holidays. I came, yes. <laughs> At the time, right. Other children went to camp. I came to Phoenix, actually. I had an aunt and uncle in Phoenix. Okay. And, uh, and I, I, it must have been very, very hot, but... I, I didn't know it. I had a lot of fun. I was barefoot, and I run around, and we'd play in the irrigation ditches, which I'm sure they don't let you do now, but, <laughs> and climb the, the cottonwood trees and yeah, avoid lovely. the red ants and the scorpions and had a good time. You know, a lot of people leave Tucson, Barbara, to do careers, uh, all sorts of things, but they end up coming back. I think it's the drawer of the mountains. Oh, it's beautiful. Isn't beautiful it? it weather. It's another world. Oh, the sky. So blue. Well, your beautiful. world turned absolutely beautiful for you. How, Frisco, we're growing up. What made you think you wanted to be an actress? Actually, um, I, I wasn't thinking of acting. I, was, uh, I was, wanted to be a singer. Okay. And uh, I used to sing in church, in the choir. And my mother... Uh, told me I should study. She said, you need to study voice if you, if you really want to sing. And so uh, I did. I went to the uh, conservatory in San Francisco, mm -hmm. and uh, I sang. And then my mother heard me one day uh, learning an aria or I don't know, something. <laughs> very, uh, and she said, you know, Barbara, you, uh, you, you're hitting every note perfectly, and it's beautiful, but you don't mean a word just singing. And I said, really? Said, mm. Yeah, I think you should study acting. What, did that show or something? How would she? Well, you, people tend to be very mechanical sometimes with musical instruments. And a voice can do the same thing. Right. So, uh, so I did. I, I, uh, I took some acting. I, I studied with Elizabeth Holloway's School of the Theater in San Francisco. Okay. And... Uh, and it all kind of went, came together. So uh, am I correct in saying that the first break was, what, Back to Eternity? Was that your first appearance? I guess it was. I guess it was. Okay, and I think then the next break came with, uh, which was a big one for you, How to Marry a Millionaire, right? The TV yes. show. That was great, too. Well, the, the, the big break, actually, uh, was the fact that I, I did a play at the Laguna Playhouse. And uh, they came to see the man working with me in the play, not me, but they asked me to come to Fox 
and they tested me and put me under contract. Consequently, Fox was who produced How to Marry a Millionaire. Okay. And that's how I got to that. <laughs> well, uh, I Love Lucy, which happened to be my mother's favorite. Absolutely yes. love Lucy. Now you appeared in that as well. Tell me what that was like working with her and, and Desi Arnaz. She was wonderful. She couldn't have been better. Uh, she, every, everything I did, she watched. The, the dress I wore, she made it prettier for me herself. Really? And, uh, uh, so she was she, a good soul. She, for me, she was. Right. And she wanted to sign me to a contract. Uh, but I was, unfortunately, at that time, uh, I hadn't heard about if Fox was going to pick me up or not. But they did call right when I was in that show with her. And I, I had to tell her that they had... Um, I've got to leave you, honey. Their option. They took out their option. Took out yeah. their option. Yeah. So you're excited again. Yeah. We had a dream run. Now, you, you did do a lot of uh, other roles, didn't you? Like, um, you know, the TV series. We get them all in Australia. We grew up on all-American television. Gunsmoke, uh, Route 66, if yeah. I remember. Oh, my. Uh, yes. Perry Mason was another one of my favorites. And you did a pilot show. Now, all of a sudden, the scales tipped a little bit here. And I'm interested to find out perhaps why, because you've, you're a talent. It wouldn't have been that. But the Barbara Eden show now what was wrong with that do you think from from the horse's mouth tell me not the jockey why you didn't know, that show go i don't even remember it <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> it made a big impression on you <laughs> you skipped over all the movies i did at fox and universal columbia <laughs> well let's talk about those share some of those movies with me that you did with with fox and columbia oh dear well at fox of course i i, I did uh, uh with elvis presley which was a wonderful western um I keep thinking the broken arrow, and it's not. That was my ex-husband's <laughs> part. Here I am in Cochise territory, and I was I was married to Cochise. Uh, did you ever see Broken Arrow? In yes, I did. Yes, yeah, yeah. I did. Ma Michael Ansara. Yes, yes. yes. Nice actor. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful, and a wonderful husband. He really was. Yes, that's right. You married him, the didn't you? The father of my son. Yes. All right. Yes. And, and what is your son doing now? The same we've gone down that track. I, I lost him. I'm sorry to hear that. Is that is that generic public knowledge that is that yes. is well known? Yes, it is. Okay, all right. Yes, um, what was another good movie that you're very proud of that you did? I love the two movies I did with George Pal at MGM. Fox loaned me to MGM for uh, the uh, Wonderful World of the Brothers Grimm. That was the first one. Okay, yeah. The first time I ever went to Germany and Europe. I'd never been there. Um, and the second one was how uh, the uh, uh, the Seven Faces of Dr. Lau with Tony Randall. Oh, right, yes. Yeah, Tony Randall. I loved that part. That was a wonderful part. All right, so um, movies, you're on your way. What, what led to I Dream of Jeannie then? What do you think, um, you know, why did they think you'd be good for that? Isn't that interesting? I wonder myself. I... Uh, I had been reading in the in the trades about uh, uh, this show, and they were they were testing all these beautiful brunettes. I mean, six foot tall brunettes, uh, Miss Syria. Because being a Miss, genie, right? Well, yes, Miss Italy. <laughs> they were all beauty contest winners, honestly. Really? And I I thought, oh wow. Yeah, got no but chance on that, not, huh? Not for me. And uh, then I I received a script from my agent and. I read it, and I thought, mm, this sounds familiar, you know. And he called, and he said, do you like the script? I said, I love it. He said, well, they love you. They've made an offer. 
And I said, are you sure they know what I look like? Right, I said, right. I'm short, I'm blonde, I'm not anything like these mm-hmm. creatures. He said, well, <laughs> I guess so, because they did make the offer and they would like you to meet Sidney Sheldon. And that's how I got the part. I have no idea why. And it went from there. I mean, you weren't to know it was going to be that successful. No, no, no. Uh-huh. Also, I, I, I can only think that he knew people who had worked with me or he'd seen film. He had to have. He wouldn't have just cast me <laughs> like that, but right. he did. I have to tell you this because my wife said to me last night, please make sure you tell Barbara that when I was coming home from school, Tucson girl, Oh. so born and bred, and... Um, Coming home from school, and she used to stop and go, boing, <laughs> boing, all the time, wishing for things, you know, to go yeah. home and watch the show as well. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely loved it. Alrighty, now, um, you went on to do Harper Valley PTA, yeah. okay, and that, um, that came into a TV series. That was very successful. Yes, yes. Did you enjoy was. doing that one? I loved doing it. Yeah. So, Stella, I loved Stella. <laughs> she, uh, she had no, uh, no boundaries. It was great. It's good. You're also an author. Well, not really. <laughs> You've still written. Yes, you. You, you want write, to talk about that? Write about yourself, but that's not a not well, being an author. Okay. An author to me is Nelson DeMille, or you know. Okay, Patterson, okay. If you get to look at it from that point of view, yeah. so you're doing an auto, Well, you've done a bit of an autobiography. Is there anything right. you know in the book that uh, people might be surprised about? Because you're speaking from the heart, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I can't. Uh, they'd have to read it. I. I don't know if they'd be surprised or not. (laughs) You're a special guest here at this uh, very first, the inaugural um, big one here at the TCC, the Arizona Film Festival. Yeah, I I guess you feel honoured in a lot of ways to be invited here today. Indeed I do. I'm holding a (laughs) proclamation in my hand, Barbara Eden Appreciation Day, and it's signed by the Mayor, Jonathan Rothschild. Whereas Barbara Eden was born in the city of Tucson, Arizona, August 23, <coughs> to Hubert and Alice Mary Franklin Moorhead. <laughs> and whereas at age 16, Barbara became a member of Actors' Equity. And whereas in 1951, Barbara was crowned Miss San Francisco. And whereas Barbara Eden became one of America's most beloved and enduring characters in the title role of the television show I Dream of Jeannie. And whereas over the course of her 65-year career in film, television, theatre and music, she has entertained and brought great joy to her fans in Tucson in Arizona and throughout the world. Now, therefore, I, Jonathan Rothschild, Mayor of the City of Tucson, Arizona, do hereby proclaim October the 15th, 2019, to be Barbara Eden Appreciation Day. Isn't that lovely? Woo! (laughs) It is lovely. It is. It's exciting. Yes, it is. All right. Well, you've got a lot going on, and I, I... I've taken enough of your time. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you. On the Mark Bishop Show on Tucson Business Radio. I wish you luck with your... Anything exciting new, or are you just going to enjoy our life? No, I'm going to do a film in January in Romania. In Romania? But I want to tell you, I was in Australia about seven months ago. Really? And I I go there quite often. Oh, you do? Good on you. Yeah, yeah. For the... um, uh, the autograph shows. Okay. You know, right? All right. So this time it was Sydney and Perth. 
Okay. And because we were in Perth, we also went out to Rottnest Island. With all the quackers. Yes. Aren't they gorgeous? Yeah, oh, my God. They're <laughs> adorable. Yeah. People think the kangaroos are little baby joeys, but they're not. You know, they're very no. separate again, you know, for what they are. They're so sweet. Yeah. Come over and nuzzle you, you know, to, yeah, to, to yeah. for a leaf. Well, <laughs> if you've been quite a few times down under then, you would have cuddled koala bears. Oh, yes. And you would have also been feeding the roos. Yeah. You would have done all the things, yes, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, it's a lovely country, isn't it? Wonderful. I'm from Melbourne. It's my hometown. Melbourne. I, 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 oh, you went yes, to Melbourne yes. then because Melbourne and Sydney always had a bit of competitive. Yeah, but Sydney's yeah. the harbour. Yeah. Sydney has the beautiful harbour and the walk. I bet you didn't walk the bridge, huh? No. <laughs> Never will. That's a game thing to do, I Never tell you. Will. It's no. a beautiful view overlooking the harbour and Sydney Harbour, the, Gorbr- uh, the Opera House. Okay, I can see that in an yeah. airplane. I don't you don't need to go on the down <laughs> bridge to do that. scary. <laughs> oh, my goodness, that's frightening. Oh, yeah. So that's great. And now, so you've now done Sydney, Melbourne, and Perth. Brisbane. And you've done Brisbane. Uh-huh. Notice done you didn't say Gold Brisbane. <laughs> Very good. Brisbane. Gold Coast, right? Gold Coast. Oh, you've done, you've done uh, it all. Adelaide. The city of churches. Uh-huh. And did you go to uh, uh, the, the, the wineries at all? Yes. Up in the Barossa Valley? Yes, yes. Oh, very good. Yes, yes. Wow, you could be a tourist guide yes. for Australia. Well, that's over many years. Yeah, <laughs> many different times. <laughs> yes. And Australians love you, so they always accepted you very well, I bet. Oh, they're lovely. Very warm wonderful. and friendly people. They're good. Wonderful. All right. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. I'm so glad you've been down under. I talked yeah. to so many Americans. I've lived here over 16 years. So many want to go. It's on their bucket list, but though they think it's too far. But no. Oh, but the flight's so comfortable. Sleep at night, you all night sleep, long. You're you there. You wake up and you're there. And you're there. Yeah, there it yeah. goes. Well, thank you, Barbara Eden. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank I you. wish you luck and wonderful. Can you anything about the movie you want to whisper? What's it called? The what new is one? It? I don't know what it's called. It's okay. a Christmas movie. Oh, it's a Christmas movie. I do know that. But I haven't seen the script yet. Oh, so you're shooting next year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In yeah. Romania. Yeah. yeah. All right. That'll yeah. be interesting. I did some one for uh, uh, the same production company there at Universal um, called uh, The Adventures of Santa. I did that last. Um, October, I guess, a year ago, yeah. But it's going to be released this year. Fabulous. Good. All the very best with that. Always I'll cold. make a point of going really to see it. Really cold doing those movies. <laughs> well, stay rugged up, all right? Thank you. Lovely. Thank you, Barbara Thank you. Eden. My special guest here, first of many today, but very special guest of the uh, Arizona Film Expo, the inaugural Film Expo, here at the TCC in Tucson, Arizona. It's been a very interesting day here so far, continuing on with our chats with uh, those who are famous and the infamous. Uh, we heard from, uh, from the lovely um, Barbara Eden, and now we're going to speak to a fellow, you may remember his name, maybe not, but he uh, was a pretty, well, well, he is a famous actor, really, particularly with Westerns, but he didn't start off that way. His name is Gary Clark. Hello, Gary. Hiya, how you doing, Mark? It's nice to have you. Now, you're a downtown L.A. born and bred. Yep. that's right. Uh, early career, really, you were in high school plays, right? Uh, yeah, I did that, and uh, everybody does a senior play in high school. Yeah. And uh, I, I did mine, and uh, fortunately or unfortunately, whatever, the fem- I was the lead, the female lead. Her mother brought along, drug along to see the senior play, a gentleman by the name of Doc Bishop, and I found out later that he was a talent scout for 20th Century Fox. 
he came up to me after the show and he said, uh, Gary, I've, I counted all the scenes that you stole and uh, I want to see you out at the studio. And my reaction was, yeah, uh-huh, sure, okay. And he gave me his card. Um, the lead, the female lead's mom was giving me signals from the back. Yes, it's true. And this, I found out that's this guy who discovered Shirley Temple. So he said, I'd like to see at the studio. And I said, well, it's going to take me about 15 minutes to change. How was that? He said, no, we can do it next week. So I went out there and I met him and uh, I met producers and they want to put me under contract. I was 17. He said, we got to wait till you're 18 because we don't want to mess with the parents. I said, okay. He says, no, don't get arrested. Don't get married. Don't join the army. Don't just, you know, okay. Sure, sure, absolutely. I got married. Right. So I called him. He wanted me to call me on, uh, call him on my birthday, but I didn't. I called him not in August, in November. And I said, hi, Doc. He says, hi, Gary. How you doing? I said, okay. Uh, he said, weren't you 18 in August? I said, yeah. Uh, why didn't you call? Well, I was, he says, I understand you got married. I said, uh, 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 yeah, yes, I did. Click. Bzzz. I thought we were disconnected. I called back. The secretary answered and says, Gary, don't call here anymore. Doc only allows people to disappoint him once. And she hung up. And that was it. And I figured, oh, my God. Killed before I even get started. Good Lord. Wow. What a story that is. Now, what about um, from there on? Uh, yeah, that, that, that same uh, scout, he was the one that discovered Shirley Temple, wasn't he? Right, yes. Okay. So what happened after all of that then? What did I you do? Started, what, was, what was the next big job? Well, I did, a, I did all kinds of little theater work around town. Uh, uh, an agent saw me, signed me, and there was this movie, this uh, teenage uh, movie that they were that they were doing. They're going to do the whole thing for a hundred thousand dollars, something like that. Right. And uh, they were making hundreds of them. So I, I was working in a machine shop at the time because that's what I was doing, and I auditioned every day for five days. And my hair was, was brown. And they were looking. They thought, that's not them, though. That, uh, no, he's just rolling in a truck. There we yeah, go. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the director was saying, well, maybe the, uh, maybe the lead should have blonde hair because he's a good guy and we want him, everybody, you know. It was that, I'm not kidding. That was, that was the way they looked at it. But me... I went home. My mother was working at a uh, beauty shop. Three o'clock in the morning, one of the people that worked with her was bleaching my hair. So I went in the next day, and I had blonde hair, and I think that's the reason I got the job. My first professional job was a lead in a movie called Drag Strip Riot. Drag Strip Riot. By yeah. gee, that brings back a few memories, huh? Oh, yeah. Now, okay, now, we're here at the film festival. This is the, the inaugural uh, Arizona Film Festival. All sorts of things going on. You came today to do what? What's What does an actor do with your experience? Uh, you, do you live in Tucson? No. You I live, live in, in Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. You made a special trip to come here. Yeah. What do you expect to see at a film festival like this? Well, my intention, uh, and along with the people who invited me, is to bring the film industry back here 
to Arizona. And as long as I'm here, I will mention Texas because we'd like to do that too. Mm-hmm. Great places to, to film, incredible actors, great production people. You don't need to have necessarily a Hollywood company come out and do that. And, and Hollywood is, is kind of moving in another more political direction right now. So independent producers, new companies like that coming to this state, coming to Utah, coming to Texas to do their films mm. is, is what we're promoting here. Out of Hollywood. That's, that's, well, what's it like in Texas, though? Do you, do you have a, uh, is there a government grant involved, money back? I mean, what's the pull to well, go to there, Texas? There isn't, and that's, that's the point. What well, we, how are you doing it then? Because we've got the same battle here in Arizona. Yeah. It used to be the hub of movies. The Duke used to come here all the time. Yeah. Lots of Hollywood stars, right? Lots I of lived, great I, movies were made. I lived in Phoenix. I did. Uh, I was here when we did uh, Young Writers. I did Tombstone when I was here. Mm-hmm. And Which version? Tombstone. With uh, Kurt Russell. The Kurt Russell version. Yeah. Okay, I've seen them all. I love them all. Oh, yeah. Okay, now let me think of you. Your role in that was what? Refresh me. Okay. Kurt gets off the train, sees somebody smack his horse, and he goes down, takes the reins from the guy, smacks him across the face, uh-huh. and then he turns, and a guy in a derby tries to enroll him to become a marshal again. I'm the guy in the derby. Right. Oh, that's Gary Clark, ladies and so, gentlemen. So the next time you see it, next okay. time you look, and you go, you go, oh, yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy. All right. By gee, he's changed a little. <laughs> you, you did a lot of westerns. Yeah, I did Hondo. I was on Hondo, and I I did I was under contract to Universal Studios, and I did all the wagon train and Laramie and all you know. Uh, all, yeah, great, all great movies. Not many westerns are made these days, are they? No, but we we're just talking about it in another room, uh, and they seem to be coming back. They uh, because I was told years ago. Westerns are out of style. Yeah. Nobody's going to want to see a Western anymore, but they do. I have a, a, a mm-hmm. quick story. All right. By all means, yeah. Um, a lot of Westerns were done in the 50s, TV shows. And those celebrities get together from time to time, and we meet, and we have a table site like this, and people come, and they, they buy our pictures, and we sign them, and we chat with them. Mm-hmm. And it's like that, fans from those days. And when Jim and Doug and I, who were the Lees on the Virginian, uh, back then we were wondering if the show was going to have any substance, if it was going to have legs, if it was going to hang on for a while. I'm sitting at the table two years ago, and this couple comes up, and they're 30-ish, and they have a little nine-year-old girl with them, you know, the kind that hangs on to daddy's mm-hmm. leg. Mm-hmm. And they introduce me to her, and she kind of grabbed his leg harder. And we're talking, and at one point, we were talking all about the Virginian and various, you know, little bits and pieces. And at one point, he turns to his daughter and he says, Honey, this is Mr. Gary Clark. He plays Steve on the Virginian. Well, I'm telling you, Mark, her eyes got as big as saucers. She got up, (laughs) ran around the table, and gave me a hug. I almost burst into tears. There you go. And it answered... The question that Doug and Jim and I had way back when. Mm -hmm. I mean, after all these years, this family Mm -hmm. is allowing their daughter to watch The Virginian. Well, my friend, when you're acting and you're in movies and they're seen all over the world, um, it's very powerful what you do to people's emotions. Yeah. 
you know? So you're not just an actor. You're a, a human deliverer yeah. of enjoyment, you know? So that's marvelous. Contributing that is yeah. huge for who's, me. Who's the, well, I don't want to use the word best. What can we say about that you only have worked with? Because they're all different, all unique in their own way. You know, you hear of different stories. I've in Australia when they were making uh, the Irishman and quite a few other things there. Uh, you know, I've interviewed many different stars, but they all seem to be unique in their own way. Some like to go out and play up at night. Others tell jokes. Others get smashed all the time. Yep. Then you get those that uh, will help other actors on set. Then you get those that you know don't want to go near you. I mean, you've worked with quite a few. Is there anybody that stands out that was... Oh, absolutely. I have no, no problem. I worked with Lee J. Cobb. Okay. He was the patriarch on the show. Mm-hmm. Now, for the first couple of months... I remember him. Lee J. Cobb. Big jaw, yeah. Yeah, and, and a powerful actor. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, brilliant actor. Uh, Tony's uh, Death of a Salesman on Broadway. Right. And here he is. I'm working with him every day, and I'm in awe of the man, so much so that I can't say three words to him. Right. So after three months, I tell Jim and Doug, listen, I can't, say, I can't do this anymore. I've got to talk to Lee. Maybe he can tell me something that uh, will, will help. So at least I can have some semblance of intelligence when I talk to him. So they said, okay. We drive out to location. I'm in the back seat of the limousine on the left. Doug's in the middle, Lee's on the other side. When we get there, Jim and Doug and the driver get out, and I'm sitting there with Lee Cobb. And I'm, I'm sweating, I'm terrified. <laughs> and he lights up his, I don't know if they told him or not, but he lights up his cigar, he loves Cuban cigars. Doesn't look at me, just smoke curls out. And I finally said, uh, Lee, listen, uh, uh, we're working together. I, th- I think it's incredible that I have t- this opportunity to work with you. Uh, but I find that, <coughs> excuse me, when, when, I, when I'm around you, I can't put three words together. I can't make a, a, a sentence that makes any sense. Yeah, That's, like I'm, I'm in awe of you, man. I mean. <laughs> so, uh, exactly. I said, I'm, I, I am. I'm in awe of you. And I thought maybe you might have something that you could say to me that would Help me handle it, you know? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Another minute goes by. It seemed like an hour. Maybe it was two or three minutes. But And he smokes. The curl of smoke goes out of his mouth. And I figured this is really going to be profound when he finally tells me. But he doesn't say anything. He's just looking out, smoking. And I, maybe he didn't hear me. I said, so, Lee, I don't want to uh, intrude, but... Uh, I figure we're going to be working together for a couple of years, maybe. Uh, that would be w- uh, wonderful if we could do that. But I don't want to have to put up with not being able to talk to you. So I was hoping right. that there might be something. So yeah, what break you, the ice with me. What help you, what help you, me yeah, do. Yeah, what can you tell me? Nothing. So I, I, re- I really got ticked off. And I finally said, well, excuse me all to hell. Just excuse me, I'm sorry I intruded on your space, and you know where you can stick that cigar. To Lee J. Cobb. But I was, yeah. I didn't care, I got yeah. out. I don't blame you. Now, ironically, all of my scenes, virtually all of my scenes, that they were th- with Lee. And I'm doing the scenes, and I'm just tearing up, tearing up the, sh- the scenery. And halfway through the day, the director comes up and says, I don't know what you're doing, Gary, but keep it up, it's great. Now, the last shot, 
It's Lee and I on a horse. We have a little scene, a couple of words, and we leave. And we're on a location. So I'm pacing back and forth, still ticked off. Lee's in his director's chair smoking his cigar. And I'm pacing back and forth, just sitting there. And he's, he, I can feel him watching me. So I look over. He's got this little twinkle in his eye. And it hit me like a two-by-four in the forehead. And I went over and I said, you son of a gun. <laughs> you did that on purpose. Deliberately. And he got up and gave me this huge hug. And it, it turned my life around, Mark. I mean, Nine. that an actor of that stature mm -hmm. would take the time to do something like that for someone like me. That's pretty cool. That's great. So that's, you learn a lot from that. That's the guy. So what are you doing these days? What are you working on now? Or, I mean, an actor, an actor never dies, right? You're always there. Oh, you've, yeah, yeah. You've always got agents. Don't quit. My credo is, I'll take it. What is it? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, you're not paying? Oh, I see. <laughs> eventually, I'll get around to how much. Uh, but I did a, a short film. They're doing a lot of short films now. And I read the script and loved it. The director, the lady who wrote it and directed it, has already gotten two awards just for the script. Oh. So it should be done by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know they're going to be looking for it. And it was so much fun. It so was, what's it called? Tell us about it. Uh, I think it's called, well, I don't, I'm not sure. I think it's called IRA Cash In. IRA Cash In. Yeah. Mm. Like that. But I can tell you. Uh, A little bit without giving it all away. What was your role as an example? I was the... Uh, I was the uh, part of a couple. My wife was 70, and in the script it says, I'm older. Mm -hmm. So when, when, you, when the scene opens, I'm putting a gun in my wife's thigh holster, and then I put a shoulder holster on her, and we rob a bar, get a lot of money, go out to the car, open the trunk, open a suitcase, it, which is already filled with money, and we stuff more money in it. But I don't want to tell you what the money's for because that'll... No. Yeah. All right. So what is it? It's, it's not a comedy. No, it is. It, it's, it, it's, it's a drama it, comedy. It, yes, dramedy. It's, a dramedy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, and made, where was it made? Right in Austin. In Austin, Texas. Yes. All right. Not a big budget film? No. Mm -hmm. I got a few bucks for it. You know, <laughs> I got paid. That's all, you know. You want to know something funny? When I first came to the States, I was in Phoenix and I uh, hadn't really sorted out what I was going to do because I hadn't got married to the lady that really I came over for to America. And uh, my first job was uh, uh, calling up penny stocks to back another film made by the guy who did The Howling. You remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Here I am wanting to be an actor, and I'm on the phone <laughs> to raise money for another, you know, whatever, but good experience. Because people, what goes on in this industry behind the scenes is unbelievable. You oh. know, you've got to be big, haven't you, for the, for the uh, uh, industry to really want to put big money behind you. Uh, you, you know, big name actor or big name uh, actress, or, well, they're actors today too, but, you know... Um, uh, what do you call them, the stable of, uh, of like, the Foxes and the Universals? and, yeah. and uh, yeah. So you were with Fox, right? Uh, were you with no, Fox? No, I was with Universal. You were with Universal, okay. Uh, are those days changing, do you think? It's, it's going to be more indie films or what? Tell you the truth, I hope so. I, yeah. Like I said, uh, Hollywood's becoming very political, 
and it's um, that's not good, is it? No, I mean, if if you don't agree with certain political views, you don't work. And it that's wasn't like not, that. That's disgusting. That is absolutely disgusting. And those I've been hearing about those that uh, do uh, share, whom they uh, might get involved with, and next minute they're out of a job. Yes. Never mind enough. Not getting work, even if they are working, they're snubbed. So, uh, yes, now nah, that's ridiculous. All right, so uh, anything you can share to um, maybe an up and coming young fellow or young lady, you know, that their dream more than anything in the world is they think is to be on that silver screen or to be a really good actor, what would you advise them, Gary Clark? I have two daughters one is 18, one is 25, and uh, they're both actors. And they are, and um, I am prejudiced, but I, I don't lie. They are brilliant. And my conversations with them all the time is don't try to pretend or do it the way you think they might want you to do it or the way you think uh, Marlon Brando or Meryl Streep would do it. You do it is you because you're the only you there is. And every time they do it, damn if they don't get a job. There you go. So that would be my advice. But under the direction, though, of the director. Absolutely. Be yourself. Yes. Know your lines. Oh, yeah. Don't trip over the furniture. And don't trip over the furniture. But be yourself is the biggest thing within yes. those lines, those yes. characters. Thank you, Gary. It's been an absolute pleasure, Gary Clark. Um, definitely going to go and look up a couple of those movies again. And say, oh, there he is. There he <laughs> that's is. That's right. That's right. Thank <laughs> we you, were lucky Mark. to have him on uh, the Mark Bishop Show on Tucson Business Radio. This could end up anywhere around the world, so you never know. But thanks for coming to help out Tucson in reference to, you know, our inaugural film festival because we yeah. really need to get those dollars back into this city. Yes. Yes. You know, that's Anything good for I everybody. Anything I do, I will do it. If they yeah. want me to come back, I will. Fantastic. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Yes. Goodbye. show with the 49ers Golf and Country Club sponsoring this Tucson Means Business. That we're very grateful for. And, uh, you know, it'd be nice for you to meet somebody by the name of Mackenzie. I call her Macca. <laughs> Mackenzie Taylor is her name. Hi there, Macca. Hi, great to see you. <laughs> Mackenzie Taylor is the executive chef of the 49ers. And she is also the food and beverage manager, correct? That's correct, You're yes. You're a busy little girl, aren't you? <laughs> lots and lots to do. What's your background? How on earth did you get into food? Well, I fell in love with food when I was actually pregnant with my daughter 13 and a half years ago and was watching Martha Stewart a lot. And I decided I really wanted to learn how to cook just like she did. And so I just got a passion for cooking and baking and um, entertaining. And so when I came to Tucson 12 years ago, I enrolled at Pima Community College through their culinary school program mm -hmm. and spent two and a half years in that program, met some amazing local chefs, uh, had the opportunity to start working for a catering company in town, uh, worked with them for many years, worked at a couple restaurants downtown and just really expanded my horizons. Uh, when I 
got the opportunity to be the executive chef at Pantano Christian Church uh, on the east side. That was amazing. We got to feed so many people, and it was such a community-driven atmosphere. It was amazing. I think it was in the vicinity of some 2,000 or something, wasn't it? Yes. We have a lot a lot of um, wonderful members who come weekly and who uh, join us for breakfast and lunch. That's a lot of cooking, isn't it? <laughs> it was a lot of picking. It was a lot of picking, but it truly prepared me for what we're doing now, too, at the Country Club. So. There you go. Now, this um, wonderful training that you got at Beamer, what was that, two years, did you say? Yeah, it was just over two years, mm -hmm. um, and it's an amazing culinary program that's local here in town. Uh, it's all local chefs who are the instructors. Right. So you learn everything from hot foods to garmanger to baking to pastry. It's the amazing. Works. The works. You took to it like a duck takes to water. <laughs> exactly. Or orange say. sauce. <laughs> <laughs> and because it's um, it's evident in your in your food. I mean, uh, people at the Rincon Grill, which is at the 49ers Golf and Country Club, who proudly sponsor Tucson Means Business. Uh, they're raving about uh, all your wonderful changes and things that you've done. Um, so I think you learned with a passion, and I think it's part of you. It's just who you are, yes? Thank you, yes, yeah. The passion definitely radiates. I always say if you don't have passion in the kitchen, uh, get out, because it is too hot and crazy in there if you're not doing what you love. Exactly. And although you know, you're regarded as back of the house because as executive chef, you're teaching and training and also overseeing the other uh, chefs, and other people in what we call the kitchen area and so on. But you're also front of house, aren't you, with your other role? Yes. So I've had such an interest in banquets and, and people. I love people. I always say they can't keep me back in the kitchen. I've got to come out to the floor, see the dining room, talk to people, touch tables, just check on everything. I really want to make sure that the quality of the service and the food that you're getting when you come into the 49er Country Club is just overall 100%. Um, it's really been amazing to be able to uh, work with the front of house team, which I call the hospitality team. So our hospitality team and our culinary team um, really have the same direction, the same vision for where we're going. And I think that's really exciting to see. It is. It's And you are leading the fray. There's no doubt about that. And when we talk about, you know, uh, there's fine dining and, and then there's just, you know, finger foods, right? And just <laughs> bar foods. It's interesting that the Rincon Grill is neither. Right. But it's, it's all. It's everything. Exactly. We want you to have amazing bar food. We want you to have a nice cold beer after a hot game of golf out there and feel comfortable ordering soft pretzels and wings. Uh, but we also want to really give you a variety on our dinner menu as well of, you know, beautiful mahi-mahi and salmon and chicken piccata. Uh, and, of course, it, it wouldn't be a country club without a perfect club sandwich. So <laughs> we definitely have those offerings as well. Mackenzie Taylor. Executive chef extraordinaire of the Rincon Grill. When you do go there, ask for her. She'd love to meet you. We'll talk more with her later on. Well, it's been an exciting day, I tell you. Uh, the rooms are full of people looking in at movies, listening to the industry speakers who are giving them advice on how to sell their movie, how to make the movie, things that you do. I mean, you know, uh, that's what a film festival is about. And indie films, well, independent film festival here. My guest now is the president, in fact, of the Independent Film Festival of Arizona, of the Independent Film of Arizona. Her name is Jeannie Joseph. Yes. She's a PhD. 
and uh, she's president. Hi, welcome, Jeannie. Oh, thank you. It's so good to be here. This yeah, is this is exciting today, isn't it? It is. The inaugural, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you're very diverse. You know, you've been an actress, you've won awards, you've been a director, uh, you teach in Tucson, you teach actors. Uh, what haven't you done? Tell me. Oh, my goodness. Well, there's, you know, life is so exciting. There's so much more I want to do. And we were just talking about some very fun projects that we might be doing in the next year. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, I am president of Independent Film Arizona. And we are an organization that helps uh, emerging and local filmmakers get their start or if they've already started, how to perfect their craft and how to really evolve and be realistic about the market. Because mm -hmm. this is one of the challenges. Sometimes filmmakers, they fall in love with their idea, and we want them to be passionate. Sure. But we also want them to have a sense of the reality of the marketplace. So that doesn't mean that they're going to um, whitewash their vision or anything like that. But mm -hmm. we want people to be realistic about who is my target audience? Who would really watch this? Yeah. It's yeah. awfully well, you know, hey, I want to make a movie on this because it really excites me. Yeah. Oh, and I can see my friends in this or myself in this. Oh. Hang on a minute. Who's going to pay to watch it? There you go. All right? That's exactly basically what you're saying. So exactly now do you advise on this? Do they come sure. to you? Yeah. Well, I do. I'm a script consultant. I'm a judge for one of the top screenwriting competitions. So I read over 100 full-length feature film scripts in a judging season. So that's quite a bit of material that I'm uh, reading. And what I've been able to do is, is see really what it is that's what are the weaknesses structurally in terms of a story or in terms of character, in terms of plot and so on? So I help writers, aspiring writers, right. take their ideas and really polish them. So I was going to say, so you really go into it with them then. Oh, I do. You yeah. could save literally thousands of dollars. Oh, billions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> billions. Uh, you know, over the years, you must have seen, has anybody gone on to be anything we should know about? You know, like a Spielberg or somebody? You well, know? I have launched some people. You know, one of these things people don't always like to say, the, the little projects they started with, but I have seen people people that I've worked with go all the way to the top in Hollywood and that's always fun and exciting to be a part of launching people's careers. So. Yeah, I guess it would be because, well, I guess they're like your babies to a degree, oh, yeah. aren't they? You know, yeah. they started with you, learned, yeah. and then yeah. you watch them go on. Do they ever come back? You know, well, yeah, you know one girl I started, she was a, a what's called a PA, that's the lowest realm on, on the, on the uh, film production shoot production assistant and I just said to her, why don't you do the slate today? You know, that's right. the flat board, right? And she she just had a certain magic. And when we were watching dailies, the whole room, you know, all the big shots in the room, and we saw this girl come up, and, and all she did was do the slate, and you could tell she was going to be a star. And from that moment on, she changed her career. She went to Hollywood, became an actress, and the rest is history. So, yeah, it's really fun to kind of see. I think I have an eye for talent. So I've done, I've cast over... Probably a thousand people in, in features, yeah. in, in commercials, in short films, and so on. So I think I do have a good eye for talent, and it's always fun to take someone who doesn't see themselves maybe as the right. way you see them and show them a bigger and better vision of themselves. <laughs> I can remember when I was a kid with the school plays and everything else, I really wanted to be an actor more than anything oh, in the world. Yeah. I wanted to go to Hollywood and get on that silver screen no matter what. But yeah. I knew I was no Rock Hudson and I certainly wasn't going to be his height. <laughs> and um, although I'm not that small, but the reality is, you know, I never saw myself as a romantic leading man. But yeah. you know what? There's tons of other roles, isn't there? There's oh, what they call sure character are. actors and all sorts oh, of people yeah. no well, matter you know, what. All those leading men, they want to play character actors. You know, they want to Is play it real? Do they really? Yeah, <laughs> they don't want to, They get tired of being typecast as right, like, you know, Mr. Right. Perfect. Right? Okay. So they want to be the bad guy or they want to be the psycho or they want to be the bag lady or whatever it is. 
Well, I used to, uh, when I was working in the media in Australia for many, many years, we covered lots of movies being made. Uh, and I'd be on the set often. And I tell you what, when you see how hard these actors work, oh, yeah. and in all conditions, all weathers, oh, yeah. one tends to think, you know, I may have gone down the right path yeah, after all. That's right. <laughs> three hours in makeup, getting up at 3 a.m. Oh, well, how do they get on today, Jeannie, making up these uh, horror movies? And yeah. God knows what the makeup must take. Hours oh, to it do. does. It does, yeah. You've got to be so patient sitting in that chair. Can you imagine every day sitting in that chair three, four hours for those? Unbelievable. And then you've got to work in it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you got to be charming and remember your lines. <laughs> you have a personal life as well. I know you're very busy with this life, but you are. You love. You got a little doggy. I noticed before. Yeah, she's, Beautiful. She's right here, sleeping what? in your bed. Right yeah, next to me. God, <laughs> love her. What's so her name? Sophia. Sophia. You love animals. I do love animals. So much so that I think you're starting up something rather exciting called Animal Consciousness Institute. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah, Can you share a little about that? Oh, I'd love to. So basically what we're interested in doing is helping people see animals in a new way. First of all, starting with the premise that we're all animals. Okay, I'm an animal, you're an animal, and they're animals. And what that does, that's a state of mind. Instead of thinking that humans are some superior species, we are a species just like they're a species, and maybe they have a kind of intelligence that we can't, haven't even begun to consider. Right. Like if a dog were to look at our... If a dog were to look at our noses, a dog would conclude that we were morons because we can't smell anything, Yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, it's very important that we understand that animals have a kind of intelligence that we've maybe underestimated and that we've used the wrong approaches in trying to understand it. Mm -hmm. So from there, we look at also, do animals have thoughts? Do they have feelings? Do they have emotions? I often wonder whether my dog understands me truly. That's right. You know, I, 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 he welcomes me when I come home and he barks and everything. And I think he's trying to say something. I say to him, did you have a nice day? What yes. did you do today? That's you know, right. and woof, 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 back again. Yeah. And I'm really wondering if he's really talking to me. He is. He is? He is, he is absolutely yeah. talking to you. Uh, his name is Dixon. The question is, can you understand? No, I can't, <laughs> and it frustrates the hell out of me. Exactly. So for animal lovers out there, so what are you going to be covering? You're going to be doing a show, I believe, on animal consciousness yeah. uh, through the Institute. You're going to have all sorts of guests. Give us an idea and a bit of a rundown who you're likely to have. Well, we'd like to have some of the experts. It's a beautiful scientific revolution that's going on right now in the field of animal cognition, in animal intelligence, and exploring the inner lives of animals. So there's lots of science out there that supports what you and I know intuitively, which is that animals have emotions, they have thoughts, they have feelings, they have fears, they have desires, they have intentions. Do you know what I mean? And so now the science is catching up to what those of us who've been owning pets have known all along. Right. Which is they have a heart, they have a soul, they have a mind, and they have desires that they'd like to communicate. Well, you know, I was speaking to a lady once I interviewed with a, a pet, uh, a specialist, um, a vet that uh, actually uh, did unique work on animals. And she said to me, not only do they have a soul, but they're there for you when you pass over. Yes. Isn't yes. that lovely yes, to think is. that your little doggy, you know, or your little pussy cat, whatever, yeah. yes. the ones you love, just like yes. your children, yes. are going to be there for you. Yes. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah. You, if one was to ask you your animal consciousness um, business that you're going to be doing as a not-for-profit and, and all the wonderful uh, information and storage you're going to be giving people, um, how is that going to rate with all this lovely film work that you do and have done and... 
Well, we're you hoping know. someday that this will be a TV program so that people will get the message because I think it's so important. Animals have a way of opening the heart in a way that nothing else does. You might say that love of animals reaches across the aisle mm -hmm. uh, in terms of politics. You know what I mean? That mm -hmm. someone that you maybe wouldn't agree with on their position on this, that, or the other. Right. We can agree that they love their dog. I love my dog. Right. And that can bring us together in a way that nothing else can. Mm -hmm. And we're at a point in this country where we need that. We need to be able to find what unifies us rather than what divides us. Oh, totally, totally. Well, that sounds absolutely fantastic. And uh, hopefully down the track, you'll, uh, when you get closer to launching, uh, you know, the Animal Consciousness Institute, you'll come back and talk to us a lot more in depth oh, yes. about it. And it'll be great. That's absolutely fabulous. Jeannie Joseph is the president of the Independent Film Arizona. And you heard before, right behind us here, uh, they were shooting something on the set, standby and all that jazz. So uh, we're really in the middle of it all in the atmosphere. Anything coming up before you go, Jenny? Anything coming up um, that's being made in uh, Tucson or yeah. nearby yeah. Uh, as an independent uh, film soon? Yes, well, we've got several projects in production, and we want to just tell people they can get involved. They can come to our free educational meetings, which happen once a month. And that if you'd like to know more about that, you can go to Independent Film Arizona forum on Facebook and that's where we announce where we have upcoming projects people looking for actors people looking for crew as well as our monthly educational meetings which are free fabulous all right I might even volunteer you know for oh crew uh, taking the coffees out or something because yeah. uh, it's an it, it's fun being on a film set it sure is it really is and, and uh, I'd like to do that again so that could be good all righty well listen thank you for your time we know you're thank very you. busy uh, my guest on the Mark Bishop show here on Tucson Business Radio X was Jeannie Joseph who was the president uh, right here in Tucson of the independent film Arizona thank you Jeannie thank you Mark